Welcome to Risk Roundup. Humanity is at crossroads. The coronavirus, COVID-19, that emerged in Wuhan, China, is now a full-blown pandemic spread across nations. So as I begin to evaluate, why are we as a species so vulnerable to infectious diseases? I not only learned a lot, but I came across passionate professionals who, like me, are looking for answers to the ongoing crisis. We at Risk Group are committed to bring you all our analysis. The first in our COVID-19 analysis is to evaluate the role of vitamin C. The reason is we found that there has been large series of animal studies over the years that has concluded that vitamin C plays a role in preventing, shortening, and alleviating diverse viral infections. Reports are emerging that vitamin C has similar effects in humans. Many control studies have shown that vitamin C shortens and alleviates the common cold flu and pneumonia. In fact, five control trials found significant effects of vitamin C against pneumonia. While the practical importance and optimally efficacious doses of vitamin C for preventing and treating infections are not clearly known, new data sets are emerging from Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak, which sheds new light to the role vitamin C can play in the current crisis. To discuss the role vitamin C could play in preventing and treating COVID-19 infections, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Richard Cheng, MD, PhD, Tourist Crowner. Dr. Cheng is the founder and director of Dr. Cheng Integrative Health Center, and he has served in the United States Army as a commissioned officer, major, and as an army physician. While in the Army, Dr. Cheng served in various positions, including Chief and Medical Director of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine, Member of Risk Management Committee, Credential Committee, and Staff Physician of Soldier Readiness Program, Consultant to the Shaw Air Force Base Laboratory, and College of American Pathologists Inspection Team Leader for the Greenville Hospital Lab Inspection. Welcome, Dr. Cheng. We are so very honored to have you on this round Well, thank you for having me. Wonderful, Dr. Cheng. So in the early 1900s, Casimir Funk, who coined the word vitamin, noted that an epidemic of pneumonia in the Sudan disappeared when anti-scorbotic uh, uh, vitamin C-containing treatment was given to the uh, numerous cases of scurvy that appeared at about the same time. So as we witness the Wuhan virus, which is now known as COVID-19 coronavirus, uh, wreak havoc in not only China, but Iran, Italy, Europe, and it's aggressively spreading in the United States and across nations. So it seems you have a story to tell that resembles somewhat to the 1900s. Can you share what you learned in Wuhan? Okay, well, actually, um, I came uh, from the United States to Shanghai about uh, in early part of January, planning on to celebrate Chinese New Year and with my parents and to attend a few meetings. And what I didn't realize was that Shortly after, about 10 days after I landed in Shanghai, the uh, COVID-19 epidemic uh, broke out. And now it turned into a pandemic, a global pandemic. And so as that rapidly developed, and because of the, uh, I have been very interested and in studying and using vitamin C uh, on myself, on my family members, and also on my patients for quite a few years. So I instantly know vitamin C is a universal, powerful antimicrobial that includes antiviral, antivirus. Vitamin C has a lot of effects. Uh, here today, we're going to talk mostly on the antivirus effect. So I started immediately, and also 
over the last couple of years, I've been coming back to China visiting. I came from Shanghai 30 some years ago. I went to United States then. And uh, so I made uh, some acquaintances in the, in, in the academic and uh, public uh, official uh, hospitals uh, people here. So I united with a few uh, uh, open-minded physicians who know about vitamin C, who've been using high-dose vitamin C here. We formed an international uh, uh, a high dose of vitamin C medical support group that includes physicians from China, from US, from Japan, and from Europe. And so we've been calling for vitamin C use in this epidemic. Why? For one major reason, because we didn't have, and we still don't have any better treatments for COVID-19, okay? For one thing, there's no better treatment out there. Or there is, so far mostly, is supportive care, which is very important. And then we knew vitamin C is effective. And like as you, in your opening statement, you mentioned about the long history of vitamin C uh, treatments. Let me just uh, mention it briefly to you. Vitamin C has been tried in many, uh, used in many infections, okay? We're gonna only talk about infections. As a matter of fact, in the largest medical library in the world, the PubMed, I'm sure you know, the, which is the medical library uh, by US Congress actually hosted in the NIH. In PubMed, there are over 65,000 research articles. These are all peer-reviewed journal articles, not including other articles. And I am not aware of any other biomedical molecule that has more research than vitamin C, okay? If vitamin C is not the most studied, at least it is one of the most studied molecules. Today, when you ask doctors, a lot of other people, they may say, oh, we don't have enough research on vitamin C. Well, my answer is purely, you have not done your homework. There's tons of research. There are a couple of books which will summarize the this type of research. I'd like to quote one, which I translated into Chinese and published because I feel this is so important. This one book is, uh, uh, title is Primal Panacea by Thomas Levy. Many of you probably know his name, Thomas Levy, L-E-V-Y. Well, in that book, and also he published another incurable, cured incurable. Basically, he listed the literature reports, studies of vitamin C. Vitamin C has been used to treat, just name a few, hepatitis, AIDS, tuberculosis. Let me quote one research paper back in the 1940s, I think it was 1949. A, I think it was Dr. Kleiner reported using vitamin C to treat 60 polio patients. Remember, this is before the polio vaccine happened, came out. And he successfully, this is reported in the Southern Medical Journal, and he successfully treated 60 polio patients and 100% cured, healed without sequelae, without consequences, no paralysis. 60 yeah. out of 60. But yeah. people didn't pay attention. Well, because people were all paying attention to vaccines. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I am. Okay, uh, you know, I, I may be uh, going through a little bit, okay. But basically, yes, we like to have a vaccine for COVID-19. But let's understand, it takes a long time to research and develop a vaccine. 
Okay, I know, I think my numbers are right, that Congress just authorized the $8.7 billion for COVID-19, and President Trump uh, allotted, I think, uh, uh, $3.1 billion to vaccine research and development, which is 37% of the $8.7 billion U.S. dollars. Now, yes, vaccine is important, again. Anti-COVID-19 virus specific drugs are important. However, the R&D of these drugs take time, takes a long time. Now, vaccine, let me rephrase that. It takes an average probably at least two, three years yes. for a marketable vaccine. And remember, COVID-19 is a global pandemic. Yes. We have 70, you know, 7 billion people worldwide. Now, if we want to stop a pandemic, we need to vaccine. We have to vaccinate probably, I'm not an epidemiologist, but according to what came out of UK, right? This uh, mass immunity thing. So I saw some number like 60% of the population need to be immune to this disease, right? So we need probably roughly 60% of the 7 billion people to be vaccinated. That's what more than, that's more than 4 billion. We're talking about 4 billion, I don't know, at least 4 billion doses. How much of a manufacturing facility do we need to manufacture that many doses for 4 billion people? 4 billion people. So anyway, my point is that vaccines for COVID-19 will not be here for another long time. Now, if the COVID-19 pandemic is not under control for that long, much long time, I'm not sure vaccine will be of any use, even if one came out at that late. So the point is, the point is very clear here is that vaccines are of no immediate use for us right now. We wish we had it, but we don't. And don't expect anytime soon. So vaccines are out of the picture right now. So what else do we have? We don't have any virus, antiviral specific drugs for this particular COVID-19. Again, it's the same like, like, like a, a vaccine. It's specific, it takes time to develop. So what we have is just a, I mean, what I have we available to us, other than supportive measures, is we have to learn from a lesson. And we know vaccine, I mean, vitamin C has a very universal, again, it's universal, it's general, it's not any particular virus. Why is that? It's because vitamin C is part of the natural defense system of the animal kingdom. Yes. Speaking of that, speaking of that yeah. I mean, yes. when we evaluate, like you said, you know, uh, it is the defense mechanism. So yeah. when we are, when we evaluate all these pandemics that have happened all across, you know, over the years, we notice that, you know, most of them has been be uh, based on viruses. Only few yes. were, you know, related with bacteria. So what does that mean that we all have become deficient in vitamin C? Why are humans that's, so susceptible to virus infections? That's a very important question, actually. Let me bring this up a little bit. Actually, this go back, goes back to, uh, here there are conceptual problems here. Okay? Now let's uh, touch up on this a little bit. First of all, the current medicine considers every disease as a separate disease. For example, this COVID-19 infection, we consider it as a unique COVID-19 viral infection. And we do not draw parallel relationship of this to others. 
But if you really look at the biochemical level of all diseases, or at least uh, um, infectious diseases, biochemically, actually, it is simply a redox reaction. It's basically the electrons movement, okay? And basically what happens here is that a virus infection as an like oxidant, oxidizing agent. It goes into cells, it, it, it causes biochemical imbalance. It removes the electrons, it grabs the electrons in the environment, renders other uh, biomolecules inactive, okay? That's the fundamental feature of nearly all pathogens at the biochemical level. This may be a little bit hard to imagine, but we human bodies, we are actually electrical organ. Okay, we are electrical body. Yes. We humans are alive because our heart beats, our brain works. Why? Because we do EKGs and EEGs, right? So all life matters electricity. It's we know electricity, the electron move, moving around. And if that normal smooth electron flow stops or interfered by some extra unnecessary abnormal substance, then our normal life will be impaired. If it's mild, it can, we can restore it. If it's very severe, it stops and then we'll be killed. So with that in our mind, so it comes back to the ultimately this this uh, uh, oxidizing and reduction series, okay? And uh, vitamin C is a prototypical antioxidant. Of course, vitamin C is not the only oxidant, antioxidant, but it's the prototypical. It's a small molecule, it's a water-soluble, it, so it goes everywhere. Vitamin C, interf I mean, it exchanges with the biggest intracellular uh, antioxidant, the glutathione system. So these antioxidants help each other by restoring or restoring the, the uh, reduction, uh, reduce the state of our normal biomolecules in the body. And uh, you mentioned it earlier, why uh, it sounds like everybody's deficient in vitamin C. Yes, it is true. Why is that? It's because, again, it's about the, the uh, re redox issue. Today, we have so much more oxidizing agents in our, in, in our environment, right? We have so many like uh, these chemicals, these agricultural chemicals, these uh, antibiotics, hormones, or these drugs, chemicals, uh, plastics, everything. These are mostly oxidizing agents. They need extra antioxidants to neutralize. That's one factor. And don't, don't forget the EMFs electromagnetic fields. These EMFs are also oxidizing agents. They require, I mean, X-ray, for example. We, we, we can study X-ray easily, radiation. Radiation oxidizes, mutates our DNA. Everybody knows that. Well, because it's oxidizing. It oxidizes, oxidizes our DNA. Okay, so EMF. This man-made electromagnetic spectrum, you think that has also added to why human body has become so deficient in vitamin C? Yes, it helps. Basically, it's to the, it's to the, hold on a second, I'm sorry, my, my. Actually, that's my alarm I set for your interview today. 
And uh, yes, it is basically works to the total uh, oxidizing capacity versus the antioxidant capacity, okay? And uh, on the other hand, on the one hand, we have an increased antioxidant, I mean, increased oxidant load to our body. On the other hand, today, you know, I don't know, you, you look very young, but I'm at, of that age, you know, when I was young, I had vegetable, I mean, I had foods on my table, basically, my parents would go out to the market and buy it fresh in, in the morning and cook it the same day. And also at that time, hopefully, probably didn't have that much agricultural, you know, product, you know, fertilizers, pesticides, that kind of thing. So today, actually, you know, uh, we have a reduced intake of antioxidants. Think about how much vegetables or these vitamin C or vitamin containing foods we eat compared to before. People today eat a lot more processed foods. And we know, for example, vitamin C degrades quickly in these uh, canned foods or prepared foods. And we don't eat as, nearly as much as before. And uh, also because of ag agricultural practice, we uh, we probably we probably know. I mean, mostly we know the the food and nutrition value of the foods today is also not as high as used to be. So that's that's how it works. Is basically we have increasing oxidant load and uh, uh, decreasing antioxidant load, so causing an overall increased oxidative stress or increased extra uh, free radicals. Give me one example. Everybody knows about fish oil. Right, a lot of people are taking fish oil. Fish oil, we're talking about mostly omega three, and we know there is omega six and omega nine. So, taking omega three and omega six as example, we know omega three is antioxidant, and we know uh, anti-inflammatory. We know omega six is more like a pro-inflammatory. Well, of course, both are important. Normally, we believe we need a one-on-one, one-to-one ratio, basically one molecule of omega-3 and uh, versus one molecule of omega-6. But in reality, in the United States, among Americans, it is estimated the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 is at least 1 to 18. There are research reports showing maybe even higher, meaning the pro-inflammatory Omega-6 is at least 18 times more than omega-6, three. That's part of the reason why, this, well, of course, this, we're, we're diverging a little bit. Basically, most, if not all chronic diseases actually are inflammatory in nature. We already know, like for example, heart disease, coronary heart, artery disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome. These are all inflammatory diseases in nature. And uh, omega, why? Because we have too many uh, pro-inflammatory factors in our life. We don't have nearly enough of the anti-inflammatory nature. I mean, autoimmune disease, you know, uh, the, the frequency has really uh, increased. And this is all tied into the same picture. Here brings a very important, uh, you know, it, it's a paradigm difference here is that in our mainstream medicine right now is we think of every disease as a separate disease, but in the integrative or, or functional medicine, field, we begin to look deeper, look at more of a root causes, actually. So all of diseases are primarily, primarily symptomatic manifestations. They are, they are, 
their pathogenesis, their pathways, their biochemical mechanism are very similar. It is, it, mostly it is this, our body interacting with the environment and the environment is heavily polluted. Yes, yes. No, I, I, that's you, the, even if, it, yeah. let's, I mean, let's discuss biology because relevant to yeah. the effects of vitamin C on infections, that is also very important to understand the biology because evidence-based medicine, uh, yeah. like you're talking, emphasizes that in the evaluation of treatment, researchers should focus primarily on clinically relevant outcomes and little weight should be put on biological explanation. Therefore, if we look at all the available research, it focuses on infections and not on the immune system. So do we understand the role vitamin C plays on our immune system? Because like you said, you know, we don't have an integrated approach. We just look at, you know, bits and pieces, you know, we are not looking at the overall and we are not focusing on the root causes. So if we look at the root causes of uh, our you know, immune system, do you see yes. vitamin C plays a role in that? Yes. So yeah, actually to answer your question directly, there are several lines of evidence to support vitamin C's effectiveness in antiviral uh, capacity. Number one, vitamin C in our body increases the production of hydrogen peroxide. This is well established in the literature. Nobody can say no to this, we know for sure. Basically vitamin C in our cells in our body uh, via so-called uh, a phantom reaction. Basically, it's a series of uh, several reactions uh, uh, in the presence of uh, like ion type of uh, metal. It, <clears throat> it produces hydrogen peroxide. And we know hydrogen peroxide is antimicrobial. We use hydrogen peroxide. A hydrogen peroxide kills virus, kills bacteria, Actually, it kills cancer cells too. It's part of the main mechanism in high-dose vitamin C in cancer treatment. So yes, this is the direct, uh, uh, direct effect of vitamin C on killing virus. But this usually requires a higher dose. And uh, the vitamin C... Talking yes. about dose, sorry to interrupt. I mean, if you look at the dose concentration relationship of vitamin C, it seems that vitamin C level in plasma of people in good health becomes saturated at about 70 micromole per liter when the intake is about 0.2 gram per day. Now, on the other hand, when vitamin C intake is below 0.1 gram per day, there is a steep relationship between plasma vitamin C level and the dose of the vitamin. So is there any data available from Wuhan which can give us insight into the vitamin C level of the infected people? No, we don't have that, but we can, we can learn from the others. We know, actually, to answer your question first, most of the chronic diseases where studies have been done show a, a severe vitamin C deficiency. This, this, includes vitamin, I mean, this includes cancer, diabetes, coronary heart disease. Okay, if you research that, and I'm, I have no doubt, actually, uh, you, I'm sure you, you know about Dr. Robert Cascard back in the 70s, 80s. He's done research on that. Uh, basically, one, uh, there's a Cascard theory. Basically, in the normal people, when you take vitamin C orally, you take anywhere probably 5, 10, 15 grams, you would have diarrhea. But for somebody who's severely sick, you can take up to 100 or 200 grams without diarrhea. Why is that? It, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a 
not direct. It's indirect evidence to support that your body is very deficient of vitamin C. And uh, so actually coming back to this is that most of people today don't get, don't have that 70 micromole, micromole of vitamin C plasma concentration you, you mentioned. And most of them have probably in their teens or twenties. Okay, some people in the single digit. If we have 70, you're pretty good. You know, you're pretty good. But uh, for therapeutic, uh, therapeutic uh, treatment, oftentimes vitamin C for like uh, hydrogen peroxide production for anti, I mean, cancer, uh, cancer killing, you probably need a vitamin C to be in the millimole level, which is at least a one, one or two magnitude higher. And yeah. that higher level can only be achieved via um, uh, IV vitamin C, maybe liposomal vitamin C. Liposomal, uh, you know, the, these uh, pharmacokinetics uh, studies show can achieve much higher than oral vitamin C, but not as high as uh, IV. But not enough studies uh, have, have been done. Liposomal simply is also another oral form of vitamin C. That's the vitamin C. Vitamin C is water soluble. Our gut lining, our intestinal lining is, is a, uh, is, uh, Lipids uh, soluble, uh, you know, is made of fatty cells, and uh, so vitamin C is hard to absorb. And this is for the audience. So when you wrap these vitamin C molecules in a in a lipid layer by layer, like like a normal cells, then these vitamin C can be absorbed much more significantly. Right, right. Yes. Now, earlier you mentioned that uh, the role of vitamin C as an antioxidant because it seems that viral infections increase oxidative stress in human bodies. Now, uh, vitamin C is, we know is an antioxidant, so the, any effect of vitamin C may be most prominent under conditions when oxidative stress is elevated. elevated sorry. Now, many, yes. infections, many infections lead to the activation of phagocytes, which release yeah. oxidizing agents referred to as reactive oxygen species. Now, these play a role in the processes that lead to the deactivation of viruses and the killing of bacteria. However, many of these reactive oxygen species appear to be harmful to the host cells. And in some cases, they seem to play a role in the pathogenesis of infections. So do you see, how do you see vitamin C play a role in protecting host cells in the human body? Yeah, you actually touched on a very important point. COVID-19 and the SARS of what uh, 13, 17 years ago, and uh, and the MERS, the uh, the Middle East, uh, you know, uh, MERS infection. All of these coronavirus infections have one thing in common, which is the ARDS, the Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome, which has a much higher mortality. So basically, that leads to death. ARDS. You know, that's why people can't, uh, that's how people cannot exchange oxygen through the lungs and they get choked, basically, choked to death. That's why these people need to be put on ECMO machine. ECMO is basically iron lung, the outside of a body, you know, breathing machine for the human beings. And uh, ARDS research in the past and also this time shows that these patients almost always have a so-called cytokine storm. Just as you said, the viral infection triggered a cascade of reactions that caused a lot of free radical so-called cytokine storm. A lot of free radicals to be released into the uh, into the, uh, the system and uh, overwhelming the system's antioxidants. 
And so the, the, our defense system is not only killing the virus, which is good, but at the same time, it's also as a friendly fi uh, fire, killing our own or damaging our own normal cells. Yeah. This is a, yeah, actually, if the patient didn't develop the ARDS or the cytokine storm, those people probably will, will, you know, will be able to recover from the COVID-19. After all, they, you know, most of the people will recover from it. Very few, small percentage of patients. You know, right now we see numbers from anywhere from 0.3 to 0.5% to maybe as high as 5%, giving the condition. You know? So the vast majority of people will recover. So yes, to answer your question, here, vitamin C is an antioxidant and that it helps, particularly in large doses, that you, know, you have to use a lot of uh, vitamin C to neutralize these free radicals yeah. and help to calm down the cytokine storm to reduce or prevent or repair the damage by these free radicals to our normal cells. And that's very important. And, yes, and, I, I think there is also evidence that plasma leukocyte and urinary vitamin C levels decreasing yeah. the when we get common cold or you know influenza virus and in other viral infections so uh, human wares in 1973 reported that vitamin c levels in leukocytes have you know it they have when subjects contracted a cold and returned to the original level one week after recovery so vitamin c levels are also decreased by pneumonia so since there is a decrease in vitamin c levels during various infections it probably implies that vitamin C administration might have a treatment effect, therapeutic effect on patients, many patients with infection. So we can probably take a similar approach with this COVID-19 uh, coronavirus, that is COVID-19. Yes, actually, you're absolutely correct. Is that vitamin C in our body cells, I mean, not all our body parts have the same level of vitamin C. Leukocyte, the white blood cells, our defense cells, have one of the highest concentration of vitamin C. Why is that? We have to think about, right? Why the white blood cells have more vitamin C uh, in, their, in themselves more than the other parts of the body? Why? Here, that's another piece of evidence supporting vitamin C's anti-information capacity. Why? Because we know whenever there's infection, the white blood cells are attracted to the infected site. So it carries with it the white vitamin C. Yeah, that's that. And also let's review some literature. Let's talk about what has been done in the past, what we know about vitamin C and the virus infection, other than what we mentioned. Let me quote the two. Uh, I think that the, these two studies may be more relevant to our audience, to us as general, uh, the general public. I'm talking about oral vitamin C. I will talk about IVC a little bit later, but let's talk about oral because high dose vitamin C by mouse can prevent viral infection. This year, not long ago, there's a, a, paper, there's a study coming out of Korea reported in British Medical Journal Military Medicine, BMJ Military Medicine. And he, that's a study of... Uh, I just finished a manuscript today, so I remember the name, a number. 14, 1,444 military recruits in a 30-day uh, training camp in, in Korea, South Korea. And uh, these many people, that's a large number, over 1,400. They were divided into two groups. One group, roughly half-half. One group of taking vitamin C as a prevention, 
Uh, they take high doses again. You no, know, the studies in the past of some number studies didn't show effectiveness because the dose was too low. Dose is always important. When we use drugs, we have to always use right drugs. When we use vitamin C, the same thing applies here. We need to use sufficient amount of the uh, dosage. So, <coughs> so this the one group of the <coughs> South Korean military recruits were taking six grams that's 6,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. The largest dose of vitamin C tablets in the United States you can buy from Sam's Walmart is one gram. That's 1,000 milligram. Basically, that's six tablets. That's high dose. I take 10, okay, by the way. I've been taking 10 for quite a few years. So these patients, I mean, these military recruits who were taking six grams of vitamin C a day, one month later, compared to the group that didn't take the uh, vitamin C, they had 0.8% ch less chances of uh, getting a cold. Basically, they have 80% uh, you know, chances of getting cold compared to 100% of people getting cold. Okay, this is significant. So here we know high dose of vitamin C can prevent people getting, from getting a uh, common cold viral infection. Now earlier, 1999, there was another study by a Swedish, um, I think it was Swiss school. Basically, these were about 460 some students, nearly 500, 460 some, uh, aged 18 to 32. They were divided roughly into two groups. Now, so whenever these, these students develop uh, symptoms of a code, they would be given vitamin C. How much would they give? They would be receiving 1,000 milligram vitamin C every hour for the first six hours. So basically one gram per hour for a total of six grams for the first, first six hours, and then one gram three times a day. Now compared to the control group who didn't receive vitamin C, basically one of those, the control group patients well, they show symptoms. Again, here we're talking about treatments. The earlier study I quoted was about prevention. So the control group, if they develop symptoms, they would be given like a pain relievers and nasal decongestants like we usually do. Now, after, I mean, uh, upon the conclusion, the author, authors of study con concluded that actually the vitamin C group had 85% reduction in symptoms. We're talking about 85%. So there are many other studies, but let me just quote two. Why, why I found this particularly more interesting is because we're all focused on severe, moderate, uh, severe cases of COVID patients, but uh, most of us are not in that group. I'm, I guess most of the audience that listen to you are average people. We are more concerned how can we protect ourselves from getting this. My message to your audience is, well, take a lot of vitamin C like I do. I take, I, I would suggest that for you, for average people out there, at least take like five grams a day. You can divide five grams or 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C divided into two, three doses. I take 10. If you want to take 10, that's even better. I usually advise people take powder because when you take too many tablets, they can hurt their stomach. Powder is usually more pure. And uh, so uh, dividing a couple of, uh, you know, five to 10 grams a day, 
divided into two, three doses if we are normal. Now, if you, if anybody who gets sick, any sort of like the viral infection code, you know, the symptoms like that, whether it's COVID-19 or not, it doesn't really matter. Just do like that Swiss group did. Take one gram every hour for, actually I would go for as long as your symptoms exist. Why do I ask you, why do I ask you to take every hour? Is because vitamin C absorption will decrease when you, when you pass that one gram level. Usually we can absorb nearly 100% of one gram of vitamin C orally. And once, if you take, for example, if you take three grams, on average, you may be able to absorb only about one gram, that the other two will stay in the, in the GI tract, okay? So in order to maximize our uh, GI absorption of vitamin C, we advise you take hourly, you know, one gram, two grams per hour, and, uh, you know, every hour. And actually, usually, oftentimes, I tell my friends or my patients, my family members, Usually I will load myself. If something happens, you load yourself with five to 10 grams, then followed up by one gram per hour. Uh, you know what? Whether it's UTI, you know, urinary tract infection, whether it's upper respiratory infection, or even you had some bad in the food, you had just bad foods, you know, uh, spoiled foods, you have a GI problem, take a lot of vitamin C. And if you have, you oftentimes I ask them to take vitamin C to the degree of having a diarrhea. We call that vitamin C flush. Why? Because too much vitamin C will cause that osmolarity. Basically, it will cause a diarrhea, watery diarrhea. That will carry away, you know, excrete the toxins, potential toxins or bad foods in your stomach, you know, your gut. So that's for the average people. And I believe, you know, uh, actually, uh, you probably, I should tell you this story. Did, did you register on my YouTube video? Actually, YouTube took it down. Yes, I saw your YouTube video, and that's how I came to know about you. So thank okay. You. But I would like you to share that story, you know, analysis and story. Okay. Uh, well, this, this is an interesting story. Let me tell the, let me tell the group. Basically, uh, like I said, uh, as the epidemic broke out, me and a group of uh, uh, doctors here were promoting vitamin C. Well, you know, uh, we, actually, vitamin C content went all over the world, went to the highest level uh, here a medical group in the country. So somebody started, you know, giving me feedback. And that's why I've been swamped lately for the last two months. I've been super, super busy. Anyway, there was a story coming out saying that there was a family in Wuhan who were protected from vitamin C. And I said, well, I need to talk to this person because I'm a scientist, I'm a doctor. I don't spread rumors. I need to verify the, the best I can do. So what I could do best is I tracked her down. This is a lady in Wuhan. I talked to her over the phone. And that's all I have, okay? Hope she's telling the truth. I don't have a reason to believe otherwise. Well, basically, this is a family of six in Wuhan. Grandparents in their early 70s. And uh, Mr. N, Nunu is her name. Nunu and her daughter, teenage daughter. And uh, Nunu's brother and the brother's wife. That's six member. And they were a, they are a very tight family. They visit each other regularly. They live in the neighborhood. And so around the January 20th, and grandma came down with cold symptoms. And that's when, that's when this epidemic uh, became public. Now, Nunu knew about nutrition. She had uh, learned about vitamin C. 
So she immediately started taking and advised everybody in the family take a lot of vitamin C. She herself was taking about 10 to 20 grams a day. And uh, she also told the grandma, take a lot of vitamin C. The grandma didn't really trust her. And so we estimated it. Me and I, I spent about one hour with her trying to figure out a little bit more details, right? Because uh, you need to be exact, you know. And so anyway, we figured that maybe the grandma was taking maybe three, five grams a day. She didn't take the whole dosage. So actually the grandma was, you know, uh, running a low-grade fever, limited upper respiratory symptom like a cough, kind of not herself entirely, but not too bad. This went on for about 10 days. And the condition didn't really worsen, but didn't recover either, okay? And the rest of the family, none of the rest of the family contracted the virus infection by this time. And actually early on, for the first few days, nobody took any protective measure. Nobody were, you know, at home, who wears a mask, right? And uh, nobody wore, you know, gloves and that kind of thing. Anyway, 10 days later, about the end of January, the grandma went to the hospital to check out and they confirmed her was COVID-19 infection, known as COVID-19 now. She was admitted to the hospital and the condition began to deteriorate. And Nunu new then, at that time, she didn't have access to vitamin C. And as a new new talked to the, it's about uh, maybe about February, February 10th-ish, and about 10 days after she was admitted. Her mother uh, condition uh, deteriorated. She was admitted to the ICU and she was unconscious for a little while. And uh, she was put on ECMO, I think. Yeah, she was put on ECMO. And Nunu talked to the intensive care chief. At this time, the first IVC clinical trial study went public. So she took the news report to the ICU chief. She said, look, they are able, they are willing to give large dose IVC. Please give my mom vitamin C. I give you the authority, I beg you. Anyway, the doctor did, gave her 10 grams. She said, I couldn't give you more, you know. And here, people, the doctors are willing to give like two to three, and uh, usually above two to three, they become very nervous. Very few doctors were willing to do that. And I have, I have been able, actually I've been promoting vitamin C in China for the last five, six years. And there are a few hospitals that doctors are willing to do that, not many. Anyway, so the grandma received, was receiving 10 grams a day and she was stabilized and uh, actually improved, went off ECMO and was discharged to regular ward in about, she was in ICU for about 10 days. And uh, so during this whole period of time, Nunu and her brother and the sister-in-law, three of them, the three you know, uh, adults, uh, were taking turns to take care of the mother. And they didn't have a lot of protection, didn't have like the space suit kind of thing. They were only wear masks and, uh, and gloves, but nobody contracted the virus. The entire medical staff were, were very surprised. And you know, they didn't contract any disease. And uh, of course we cannot draw any conclusion, but that's the story. That is the story. No, uh, again, remember, the grandma is a diabetic and has coronary heart disease with a stent placed. So, and she has other, you know, GI problems. She is a chronic disease. She's in the group of high risk of mortality. And she didn't, she survived. Yes, that is, that is. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, absolutely. That is amazing. I mean, it seems that uh, vitamin C is safe. I mean, uh, it's a, 
found in nature and it's uh, it's not toxic so it's it's safe and it costs only pennies per gram and uh, i think if we apply that if we take the dosage that is necessary to protect our body uh, then even modest effects of vitamin C may be worth exploring, especially in this crisis when so many people are dying across nations. So what would you like to tell? I mean, that story that you told from that Wuhan family, I'm really glad that, you know, they took vitamin C and I'm really glad that they survived this and, you know, nothing happened. But there are so many people at risk across nations and so many people, it's not even the old people that are dying, the young are also dying. Thank you, Dr. Cheng, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on benefits of vitamin C on coronavirus, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic crisis. Our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided today. And even if a single nation or single individual is able to understand the importance of incorporating vitamin C in their preventive and therapeutic approach to manage the current crisis, after listening to this discussion, this Risk Roundup dialogue has been of service. And we thank you for that. This group is a strategic security risk research platform and community. Our ecosystem is the first and only cross-disciplinary and collective community that is made of top scientists, security professionals, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, philanthropists, policymakers, and academic institutions from across nations collaborating to research, review, rate, and report strategic security risks to protect the future of humanity. Add your voice to risk groups. Until next time, I'm Jayshree. Post of Risk Grant signing off. See you next time. Thank you.